You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Benjamin Bradley, an interior designer in New York City. He recently got his own Netflix show where he helps people design for the holidays. A fun fact, Ben actually grew up in the same town that I live in. So I'm so excited to have this talk. Hi, Ben. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. So would you like to start out by explaining how you got to where you are as an interior designer? Um, sure. Kind of a, a jagged road as a lot of life journeys, I guess, are. Um, I went to Purdue University basically because I wanted to make it to New York. My parents didn't think I should go to New York directly out of high school. So I found that they had an exchange program uh, with FIT, but that was for fashion design. But I figured, you know, that was a way to get to New York. So I went to FIT. I did a Purdue FIT um, sort of associate program, bachelor's degree scenario. And um, then finally moved to New York, but wasn't really too interested in fashion at that point. Uh, I had seen 7th Avenue and I thought, oh, God, I don't know if I want to work on 7th Avenue. So I took a job at... um, a major retailer here in the city, and I met my then business partner, and we began an interior design firm that lasted 22 years. Then I broke out on my own and have always, throughout this entire journey, Christmas has always been my safe place, my happy place, and that just sort of, I started to really embrace that whole thing, and that just started to really come to fruition in the last few years, and a friend of mine who is a television movie producer um, came to me and said, hey, you do Christmas better than anyone that I know. Let's do something. So that's how the show came about. So that's sort of a, an abbreviated version of a strange journey from Boonville, Indiana. So how did you start out like loving Christmas and how did that come to be where that's your thing now? You know, it just literally, it has always been my thing. Even from the smallest, the the earliest memories from being the smallest child, I have loved it from the get-go. And my parents always made Christmas really special. Uh, they made all holidays special. It was something to look forward to. Lots of friends, lots of family, lots of decorating, things like that. But um, I just, I, I think I knew or recognized early on as a child even that there was just a different feeling about the holiday. There was a different feeling about that time of the year. It was kinder. It was nicer. It was happier. It was... You know, and then, of course, there were presents and Santa Claus and all of that stuff. But um, it was really just that I think as a young kid, I recognized that. And and 
being a sensitive kid, I guess I just decided that that was a really wonderful thing. And I was going to try and live in that arena as much as I could. So anyway, well, like I said, it's been always been my safe place, my happy place. Whenever I can't sleep, that's what I think of. And, you know, so it's just always been my, my thing. It truly is a magical time. It is. It is. What was production like on your show? Well, this was all new to me. Um, not so new to you, I know, but new to me. I had not, when my friend came to me and said, let's do a sizzle reel, I didn't even know what a sizzle reel was. So um, production was very fast. Um, we literally started filming in October and we filmed right up to November 22nd and we went um, basically six days on, one day off kind of thing. Um, we did some some time in the workshop um, on our days off where we would sort of create some of the things. But for the most part, everything was filmed. Everything was pretty much on film. And so, um, you know, it truly is, it is unscripted television. I mean, other than the portions of where I'm sitting and sort of trying to thread the story together in, the, in sort of an interview fashion, everything else you see is, is truly real and unprompted and unscripted and just kind of me. So um, it, was, uh, it was a relatively small crew there were three cameramen a couple of executive assistants a couple of crafts people creative people um but yeah it was it was a pretty small crew i mean we all sort of just everybody chipped in it was or everybody did what they needed to do to get it done because the time frame was the real most real part of the entire show <laughs> what do you wish people knew about your job as an interior designer and on production and stuff like that um you know, so oftentimes people say, oh, it must be fun to shop for people. Well, it's it's so little of that and so much more um, psychology in both of these elements, whether it was a television show or my real life as an interior designer. There's a lot of figuring out who the people are. There's a lot of questions to be asked. There's a lot of listening to be done, likes, dislikes, um, things that trigger them, things that really um, inspire them. So there's a whole lot of that. Then there is also there is the creative part which is what i love it's exciting to get a job and to kind of formulate the concept for the job then i always say there's about nine months of you know a lot of hand holding and paperwork and processing and stuff like that and then there is sort of the end of the job which has the installation where you actually get to see this vision that you've been holding in your head and you've been trying to relay to the client for nine months, you actually get to see it come to life. And so um, I think that's something that people don't realize, one, the time that it takes. And, you know, you look at the most beautiful rooms and you think it just shouldn't be very hard. It looks like it's effortless sort of thing. But but there is a lot of a lot of effort that goes into um, creating a beautiful home and particularly nowadays because technology has added a whole nother level of um, complication to these smart homes and you know as an interior designer we're not just about sofas and drapes you know we want to figure out that you know things are concealed in the right way outlets are in the correct places um all that type of stuff so yeah it's a lot more involved when I, than what i think people think it is so what goes through your mind when you're designing like what do you take into account and what can make or break a design or how do you not let yourself into it too much what mm. all goes into that you know, I do, I, I always try to remind myself and, and the client as well, it is their home. It is not my home. And so it should definitely be a reflection of them. That being said, there are always things that I personally bring to a job. I always tend to like a sense of, sense of warmth. I like um, 
You know, I like a home that is sort of timeless. It isn't particularly extremely modern, but isn't also um, grandmotherly traditional. So whether it is a really, if I'm working on a contemporary project, which I just finished, you know, there is still a great sense of warmth. There's lots of textures and layers to to my projects. But I think the thing that I find the most interesting and where I think the creativity really comes into play is, you know, most people could come up with something given an open checkbook and um, a blank page, come up with something really interesting and probably beautiful. I think it's when the client actually starts to have input that, you know, you've, you've designed this idea based on what you've talked about. I always say, you know, there's a lot of programming with the client, but you know, you come up with your idea and then you present it to the client and you say, Oh, this is, this is, and then they say, Oh, but I hate blue. Or, oh, I had this desk that was my grandmother's that I just have to use. Or, And I think that's when the creativity comes in, because then you have to step back outside of your head, outside of your ego, and you have to look at it and go, okay, she doesn't like blue, but we can do green. And that desk, if we did this to it, or if we hung that over it, or if we put this lamp on it, we could sort of meld it into, I think that's where the creativity comes in because I think anybody given no boundaries can create something wonderful, but it's when the boundaries start to be placed that the creativity really has to kick in. You have to come up with something that is satisfying for them as well as yourself professionally. Do you think that growing up in a small town uh, made it any more difficult to getting where you are? Um, I don't believe it made it more difficult for me to get where I am. I believe I think growing up in a small town, you have to make more sacrifices in order to get someplace where you might want to be if it is not that small town. I mean, that small town works for many people. For myself, um, being a gay man, I, it just didn't work for me. And um, I love coming back. My entire family is still there. Um, a lot of friends are still there. But um, no, I think you have to sacrifice. I think, you know, I had to move halfway across the country in order to find a place where I felt it was good for me. And I also know too, that for the aspirations that I had for myself, the opportunities were just not going to be in a small town like Boonville. There were wonderful people there and there are wonderful jobs and opportunities in other fields. But for my creative field, for my interior design work, for anything that I thought was interesting or what I wanted to do, I wasn't going to find it there. So, um, you know, it was just, it was a necessity. It wasn't, so I don't think it made it difficult to grow up there. I just think it made it a necessity to move from there. So. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you finding as much joy this Christmas season as you have years past due to all the stuff going on in the world? Really good, interesting question, particularly on this day, because I woke up on this day <laughs> today with, you know, Christmas Eve being just um, a few hours away. Um, I looked around today and I thought it looks like Christmas, but um, it doesn't particularly feel like Christmas because so much of what is Christmas is friends and family. And being that we really can't safely gather this year, um, that's a big element that's missing. So, yeah, I, I find it. 
I still find tremendous joy in decorating. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a strange year because like I haven't baked a single cookie and, you know, we'll create a Christmas dinner tomorrow night, but it will be for the two of us and the dog. And um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's been a little harder to, uh, we have a new home, and so that's made it a little bit more of a distraction. But yes, I think for the most part, it's been a little bit harder to find the Christmas spirit. What's the best advice you've gotten? Oh, well, way, way, way back in college, I was not doing well in my economics class. And in fact, I totally did not pass it when I was at Purdue. So I had to take it at summer school at USI. And I was still not doing well in it because I just, even to this day, I don't balance my checkbook. I don't get the whole thing. But um, I literally went to the professor and I said, look, I will do anything. I just have to have a C in this class. And he looked at me and he said, never say that again in your entire life that you will, you will do anything to get something out of it. And I, that literally, you know, 35, 40 years later has really like stuck with me. Um, other than that, I think my, the best advice I ever got professionally was to listen. You know, I just, I, I think coming from a small town and, and landing where I did and dealing with some of the people that I deal with and stuff, it was really important that I listen and listen well and not necessarily always talk. And then also sort of learn from what I am hearing, you know, really taking what I'm hearing. And that comes to how do certain people live or you know what is the etiquette of some type of situation i might have found myself in that i wouldn't have in boonville or whatever i think listening is a is a really key element to this life so that would be my other thing that somebody told me to pay attention to so what's the biggest obstacle you have faced in your career um you know what probably myself <laughs> not to sound so um psychologically, um, whatever, but, you know, I mean, because of the, um, move to New York, there are opportunities. I think we all have the chance. I think opportunities come everybody's way. Some are greater than others. Some people have the ability to be in a situation, um, to where an opportunity comes by where others might not. But I think many of us bypass those opportunities because we don't recognize them or we have too much fear to actually act upon them. And I think when I say I was my, probably my biggest obstacle, I often wonder if I would have had more self-confidence as a younger person, if I would have had my ego more in place to where I really valued the creativity and what I could actually bring to a project or a job or my career in general. I think I oftentimes wonder where it might have taken me. Um, I'm very grateful and very thankful for having a successful interior design business for, you know, almost 30 years and being able to step in front of the camera and do the show and be on a, you know, a, a global platform like that. But, you know, I think, gosh, if I would have started, you know, when I was really young and had, you know, that's why it was so interesting to me that you, have been able to accomplish what you've accomplished in your very, very, very few years. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think we ourselves oftentimes are our worst enemies. Yeah. So I've asked this question to everyone that I've had on my podcast and I've gotten these really interesting answers. So I want to see where you stand. Okay. Do you think that you've benefited more from education or experience? Mm. Good question. Um, I think I have experienced, 
I think experience has been probably a bigger role model in my life than education, though I, as I get older, as I meet more and more successful people, or as I have met successful people throughout my career and my life, either friends or clients or whatever, I really understand the value of education and not only the education, but the level of education and the exposure that that education gives you and the exposure that that educational environment gives you to you, the people that you're surrounded by and stuff. You know, it truly is one of those, those phrases where they say, you know, be careful who you surround yourself with because that is, you know, who you will aspire to. Or if you are the smartest person in the room, then you are in the wrong room. Um, and I truly do believe that. I think that it, whether that comes from education or whether that comes from um, experience, I think you have to constantly, constantly pursue bettering yourself, bettering yourself as a career, as a person, as a human being. And I think you really have to pay attention to that because we stagnate and we get really comfortable really early on, which is why the television the, you know, the Netflix thing actually ended up coming about because I, you know, at 52 years old at that point said, okay, I need to challenge myself. And so I made a promise to myself that that year I was going to say yes to everything. And um, that was something that came along and I said yes. And it frightened me. But I think being frightened is a really good thing on a lot of levels. Sometimes, you know, I said earlier that fear held me back. Um, in some instances, in other instances, it can be a really good motivator. So how have you spent your time during quarantine? Well, you know, my industry got shut down um, in, I guess, April, mid-April, or maybe actually mid-March. And so there was a couple of months that I did a lot of walking. <laughs> I was not one of those who, I think actually I was, you know, because it really hit New York hard in the beginning. And it was very traumatic. And I think I truly was almost traumatized by it because when the field hospital started to crop up a block from us in Central Park and, and you know, it, it just was, you know, and then it was just horrifying. Um, so I was not one of those who immediately jumped in and said, I'm cleaning closets and I'm going to, you know, create the greatest room ever designed and blah, blah, blah. I really sort of shut down myself a little bit. I took lots of walks. I could give you a really wonderful... Um, tour of Central Park, if ever you needed that, because I now have covered every single inch of Central Park. Um, but yeah, and then, then my industry opened up again, they started to allow people back into buildings, workmen's, any of the job that jobs that I was working on at that moment, um, June 8th. And so, um, you know, it sort of picked back up from then I was fortunate that my business sort of I had a couple of projects that were able to resume. And, and then then, of course, um, all the publicity and stuff from for Mr. Christmas started to gear up. And we did a lot of, actually, we did some reshoots um, for Mr. Christmas in June and July. So that was part of it. But yeah, um, so it's, you know, it hasn't exactly been slow. It hasn't exactly um, been as much time of reflection as I would have thought. But, you know, you try and keep yourself busy because what else are we going to do? It's hard. Otherwise, you just get depressed. <laughs> Is there anything you want to add before we end this episode? Um, you know, I think of anything, my biggest, what I say to my nieces and nephews at this point in my life, particularly we became very clear with Mr. Christmas and holiday home makeovers was, 
you know, it might take you a while. It took me a long time to find my passion, but you know, just motion creates, it just develops something. And so try not to stagnate, try not to stand still. It doesn't matter if it seems like it's the right move or the wrong move or the right direction or the wrong direction, just move because that will lead you to something else. And I think that will then lead you to finding your passion and follow your passion because it wasn't until I fully embraced how much I truly loved Christmas. And I let that out of the bag. I sort of took my cap off and said, Hey, here, I love Christmas sort of thing. You know, the people started to call and the New York times called and said, Hey, we hear you like Christmas. Can you tell us about this? Or, you know, I, and then the show came along and, and you know, you just, you can't just find your passion. And like I said, it may take a while to find it, but you know, constantly look for it, constantly stay curious, constantly stay in motion and, um, and watch for those signs, watch for those opportunities. And, if you can at all muster it up, grab hold of that confidence and take um, take a chance on those opportunities. Well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Mason, thank you for reaching out. I'm thrilled to have been able to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 